Well, we had the bots. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast podcast that used to have lots of porn bots, which was uh, pertinent to the pre-show today. My name is Frank. I'm guessing I'm Scott. Scott said I'm Scott. There he is. I'm there Paul. There he is, and Paul. Uh, we're back from uh, hi- probably a longer hiatus than we thought we wanted to take, but we're here. Uh, the Bills didn't do too much mm-hmm. while we were gone, so you know we probably just saved you from a non-cast podcast. Uh, if we're being blunt, but we're here now. We're gonna talk training camp. We're gonna talk injuries. Uh, it's uh, same as it ever was, huh, guys? I mean, we're out here trying to make mountains out of mohills and people getting hurt, and you know, and talking about stadiums and whether we're gonna trade somebody, and you know, how are we but gonna get rid, actually, rid of Ristolainen's contract? The season oh, wait, is sort of wrong. beginning at this point. Like, yes, right. There, there is training people are camp. losing jobs. There are injuries. Things are actually happening, at least. I guess I meant like it's the same as it ever was year to year. Not so much like mini camp oh, to okay. rookie camp. To, right. But yes. it's like, you know, like just like last year, we're like, well, how are they going to like, is LaShawn McCoy too old? What's Josh Allen going to be? Um, <laughs> who's injured? Who are the wide receivers? Which is good because this is the talk that you guys demand. You people demand. And we're here to give it to you. Um, we so so Scott is whispering because he's half listening for two his thumbs kid, up. Kid, it's two thumbs up. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> also, for those Patreons who contribute and listen to the pre-show, you know what that means. Um, and and Paul, well, let's start with you, Paul. Let's see if we can get your hiccups out. Yes, um, be a fun one. Uh, there has been some. Look, I think the big stories have been Josh Allen. Um, the big stories in one way have been the tight ends because of the injuries, um, the wide receivers starting to shake out. Um, and you know, we have 16 running backs on the team. So you pick, you tell me how you want to start talking about, about the Buffalo bills, 2019 training camp. Well, I think, you know, and and this is a great way to talk about training camp because we is, is we'll get to in this day and bills headlines a bit later. We'll kind of see how headlines of training camp tend to be ridiculous but what it is an excellent time to do is to see who's getting the reps in practice and with which unit and how many snaps they get in the preseason games and whether they're out there in the first quarter or the fourth quarter so that's been really what's most worth paying attention to in training camp and so i'll just you know what i'll talk impromptu i'll just talk about cornerback and running back and then maybe uh leave the rest for, for Scott to co- cover, not that he can't cover those areas as well. So looking at the the cornerback position to st- start, obviously the CB1 is is Trey White. We've known that. There's no competition there. CB2, it says Levi Waltz has really done a good job of, you know, holding it down, but that he's far from sealed the position, that EJ Gaines is showing, you know, why he was a really good starter for the Bills just two years ago when he was healthy. So will he stay healthy? And then you have Kevin Johnson, who's also played, you know, maybe not quite as good as his first round pick status was back when he was drafted by the Texans, but has also provided some good depth. But I like to talk about this position simply because I I think they're in just really good shape for, for the first time in a while going into a season at cornerback. Last year at this time, remember, we were talking about Vontae Davis. And I said, you know, he could be a guy that the Bills end up cutting. I didn't know if he was going to be good enough for the roster. Uh, and the Bills didn't make that determination. Uh, but Vontae Davis did, in fact, make that determination. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Game and a half into the in season. dramatic fashion. Yes. 
So, you know, I think this year you're talking talking about an undrafted rookie from last year who is really highly rated. But what I like in this whole go into basically how McBean built this roster, they're not just assuming like, oh, you did pretty well last year in the last six or seven games. Mm-hmm. So let's give you the unquestioned starting job. It's nope. Let's bring in a highly touted first-round pick who he's had difficulty staying healthy, but when he, he is, he's played well. And then another guy who played great for us two years ago and make you earn this spot. So, so I really like the battle that's going on on there, and I do like Teron Johnson st- still in that third-corner role. Running back, this is just crazy. The, the only people who are going to be consistently mentioned as one, two, three are McCoy, Gore, and Singletary, based on everything I've read in camp so far from the people who've who've been there. After that, that I have seen, you know, 53-man roster projections that have Senioris Perry in there. I've also seen other projections that don't even mention Senioris Perry, uh, and they talk about T.J. Yeldon really having to to earn his spot. So I'm really interested. I I think at this point, if McCoy's on the roster, if there, he's not traded. He's he's get, getting all the snaps with the ones, and you know I think that speaks loudly, and he's in in good shape. So I would anticipate him being there if he's still on the roster, uh, which I know sounds stupid because of course he'd be there if he's on the roster, but he'd be their number one. That Gore's been getting a, a lot of carries, and they said he has a different style than McCoy. He bulls through people, and that in and of itself should be enough to get him on the roster because he has a different style of running, and it would be a nice change of pace for McCoy. And Singletary's done well in practice, but take that what you will. It's it's practice. He's a third-round pick. So was Dwayne Wright and a lot of other guys who we've long forgotten about who were supposed to be good third-round pick, pick running backs. So, you know, the jury's out. But I really would not be surprised if, based on the fact that he's looked great as a gunner on special teams and that he's an ace, is that, you know, Senior East Perry gets the job because Yeldon has proved redundant. And I think it was either Joe Biscali or Matthew Fairburn in the athletic kid wrote that uh, Yeldon's actually getting some reps on the kickoff coverage team now, and he's ha- hasn't mm. played special teams hardly in his NFL career. So he is at that point where I feel he's kind of battling for an undefined role. And I think he's, he's kind of, uh, you know, on the outside looking in. So with that, mm. I leave it to, to Scott on his thoughts on those p- positions as well as maybe wide receiver or O-line or whatever else comes to mind. So briefly, I'll, I'll touch on the corners uh, where, where Paul left off. I think the good thing I would say is that I will say that this is one of those things that shows the team is advancing year to year. And it, at least on paper to a certain extent, because, you know, yeah, last year we were had so many question marks about who was going to do what on this team. To a certain extent, they had started the transition away from the playoff team into the kind of the next phase of this team, the kind of the Josh Allen phase. But we knew that there were a lot of holes on the roster and that it just was not, there were, there was going to be a lot of problems. Now we know we've got some solutions at some of these, these, these things, you know, we've got, you know, middle linebacker straightened out. Edmonds is the guy he's, he's going to be the guy forever. Milano is going to be the guy forever. Alexander's the guy for this year. At least we know that. So we don't have to worry about that. You know, D line, we pretty much don't have to worry about that. I mean, 
ideally you'd like more of a pass rush than we got last year, mm -hmm. but between Oliver coming in and maybe uh, Murphy now two years removed from ACLs surgery, maybe that gets you there. So we don't have to worry as much about some of those spots when you're kind of worried about your number two cornerback and you've got three pretty decent options, you know, again, if they're all healthy, which is obviously mm -hmm. the critical thing, then that's, you're, you're honestly in pretty good shape. And then on the offense, I mean, this is where, you do see more of the 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 a little less of the progress, but even then, like much better than where we were at the end of last season on paper from wide receiver and O line. I mean, if you look yeah. at the O line then to now, like you know, you got Quinn Spain in there at left guard. You know, he started games for the Texans. You know, I think or not for the Texans for the Titans. Um, and he, I think he started you know, every game for the Titans. I think he was their full time starter. Yeah, I mean, and I don't want to overrate him. As, as I was saying, you know, when we did our free agent pot a little while ago, um, you know, ultimately the Titans felt confident letting him go. And they 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 went out and got somebody else to fill that job, one of the high-priced cards, I forget who. Um, but, you know, he's, he's played in NFL games. Um, you know, we got more depth, at least, on the O-line that can sort itself out. We've obviously got Morrison. He did a rest day the other day. But, it's you know, he's obviously someone who you can look at at center and be like, that's the guy at center you know, kind of like you did when you had Eric Wood a couple of years ago, um, at least not in terms of leadership yet, probably, but in terms of the, in terms of the quality, probably at least as good, if not better than Eric Wood. Um, and then obviously you got Cody Ford, he'll find a spot somewhere. They've obviously been saying he's slotted in at right tackle, which is great that they feel confident running him out there. It does not sound like he's had a great show of it yet. Like he's getting beat by like fifth and sixth round defensive ends. Um, yeah. But you know, He's gonna have to take. He's gonna have to take some lumps if he's gonna be a professional in this league. Let's try and get him out in training camp and hope it gets better. Hey, it's the season of optimism, right? Yeah. Um, and then wide receiver. You know, again, last year it was well Benjamin. He had some decent sort of numbers. Maybe he could sort of be good. And then that yeah. quickly kind of came off the rails. And Jay, Zay Jones never didn't quite put it together until maybe the end of the season. He, he was he was okay last year, but. You know, now with him, you know, and don't forget the other starter, Andre Holmes, another guy who was like, the great oh, Andre, the un, he also didn't make the, it through the season. The, the unforgettable Andre Holmes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and now obviously, like the initial reports are that it's both it's working really well with Josh Brown in that kind of deep threat. You know, can't can't Josh Allen can't out throw Josh Brown, which is good. John Brown, um, John Brown. Sorry, that's okay. And then uh, and then. I guess they're still working things out in Beasley. And I'm glad that they're focusing on that thing with Allen and Beasley, trying to get him to do those short routes. And they've had some successes and some failures with that. But that's, you know, when you're facing a blitz, you got to be able to make a short throw and hit it accurately. Otherwise, that's what they're going to do is they're going to blitz you and you're going to be in trouble. So well, that was and, the that was yeah. the Sunday story was that Beasley and Allen, like the chemistry was starting to show up like, woo. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I agree with everything you guys have said, I think it's, it's fun. I, I just pulled up two different 54 man or 53 man rosters. And one exactly as, as Paul said, one has, um, Sonoris Perry as the fourth running back and no sign of TJ Yeldon. And the other one has, uh, Yeldon and not Perry. And the good news is like, they basically cost the same amount. Um, they're not in any sort of cap trouble. You could cut either one of them and mm -hmm. it wouldn't really matter. Like Sonoris Perry is a little cheaper, but not so much that it would really like, you know, I think if all things being equal, I, I think you would just go with which one ever it's not going to make a big difference if you only keep one of them. Um, that's another thing I think about 
when you look at these position groups um, that no, they are in a such a better financial position that you can do whatever you want with LaShawn McCoy, including keep him. And it doesn't really affect the bottom line because there's nowhere left to spend that money. Now, if they get Antonio Brown and sign him to an extension, maybe that's a different story. Um, and certainly in the next year or two, there are going to be time. There are going to be people you want to keep and people you want to sign. And so it's not time to be, you know, all higgledy piggledy with the, the, uh, the, uh, the salaries, but the idea that you could trade McCoy, you could keep McCoy and he doesn't have to even do very much provided the other running backs are performing, or you could just cut him and eat some of that salary. It's not going to kill you this year or next year. Um, so just kind of, as I'm looking at these position groups and there seems to be a lot of hand wringing, um, about, you know, just what exactly we will do with the Sean McCoy. And I think Sal Capaccio's had the right of it for a long time is that they probably intend for him to be the running back. And if he doesn't work out, well, it's not going to kill them. It's not the, it's not the difference, right? The, the difference yep. will be whether they've managed to draft a good running back and, you know, whether they manage to have a better running back uh, field than, than before. Um, and I think that goes in a lot of different places. Scott's right. I think the big place that Scott's right, but it has a question mark is the line because unlike corner and some of the other places where you're adding to people who are good, you, you kind of have retooled the entire offensive line. And so, yes, on paper, they've certainly added talent across the board, but they've still got to show that they can all kind of do it together as opposed to, I, th I think like a place like corner mm -hmm. where you were already having some success and, um, you know, now you're just trying to add pieces to it. But in both cases, in, in, in those cases and um, and the line and, you know, across the board, I feel like they've really you can't say they haven't tried. I feel like that. Yeah. I feel like they've really sort of shown even wide receiver where you're like, OK, John, you know, John Brown and Cole Beasley and. You right, not in, not Antonio Brown and you can oh, view no, those. Yeah. You can view those guys as like I don't know, but maybe they'll work. Maybe they won't. Like they certainly have have you know cast their line. Um, their their big problem is going to right now is tight end because you have Tyler Croft out, um, Jason Kroom out, Dawson Knox out. So that's your first three. Uh, tight ends are out. They just signed today uh, Kyle Carter. They released uh, linebacker Juwan Foggy. Kyle, Car Kyle Carter was on the team last year on the on the uh, practice squad. Uh, and then they let him go and clearly didn't think enough of him to like resign him and bring him back. But he's in here as I'm assuming some sort of warm body while they wait for the tight ends to, uh, to heal. Um, obviously, with a young quarterback, you want as many weapons as possible. Um, I'm of two minds on it. One, certainly the more people you can throw to, the better if you have a young quarterback. On the other hand, we've always sort of mismanaged the tight end position. And it's always been like this, like, what am I trying to say? It's been like this uh, wives tale about, you know, if you have a good tight end, it'll help your rookie quarterback out. And it never really helps like our rookie quarterback out. And given that the, the, the kid's got a cannon, I just assume him like trying harder to throw to people like John Brown and Cole Beasley than to like, 
have some sort of security blanket that we're not going to use properly anyway. So maybe it's a blessing in disguise that, you know, he can sort of throw to, um, you know, he's going to be pushed to throw to some wide receivers sooner rather than later. Um, defensively, I don't know. I mean, they have had a very good defense the last two years. They've added talent to it. Um, they did lose Kyle. We should. They did lose Kyle, but they added Ed Oliver. They did, and, yep. And so, you know, and Kyle was a very good defensive tackle, but like, I don't like, was he a game changer in some ways? Like, certainly. Like, I have a lot of love and respect for Kyle, but I mean, they definitely needed to get, even if they didn't, even if he didn't retire, you needed somebody else too. So, um, it'll be interesting to see exactly what the, uh, you know, what the Matt Milano's have left and what the uh, Jerry Hughes's have left and stuff like that. And, you know, Lorenzo Alexander, who also is, you know, he took a maintenance day. He wasn't out. He and Mitch Morse were, were off because they're old or yes. tired. Um, so all in all, like, I think that the, the talent levels here and I think we're at the tinkering point of football. I think these are your Buffalo Bills. Um, do we have any... Let's see. What do we need to find out uh, more than these? So we talked about cornerback uh, to wide receiver outside. Sorry, offensive line and running back depth. And Scott asked the question, what do we need to find out more than these? Do you have an answer to that question? Well, I was going to ask, are there, yes. are there other positions that we need to find out more about in the next three weeks and preseason here of, of training camp? Because we've already we've already talked about the, the ones I think everyone's tracking on. Well, we do have what? the one we have the probably the hottest battle of camp where it's a 50 50 toss up, which it's is, punter. of course, punter. Yeah. 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 Oh, Scott, you cut out. Oh, there you Honestly, go. Yeah. it is kind of critical. Like sometimes special teams loses you a game and God knows, God knows special teams lost us more than one game in the past. Oh, yeah. So actually it is kind of critical to straighten out who's going to be the fucking punter. <laughs> <laughs> the effing punter. Um, I, I was happy to hear Brandon Bean even not admit exactly that, but to point out that he was in the radio interviews this week talking about, you know, we've definitely had years where, you know, the ball is bounced the right way and you pick up an extra win or two and the ball bounces the wrong way and you don't get a win or two. And I think that falls into your, your punter sort of point. You know, I, I think it's hard to say that a punter is going to win you a game, but a punter can keep you in a game and a punter can certainly lose you a game. Um, so I think that's, that's fair. I, I think I just to answer your question and then we can go around, but I never go first when I'm leading. So I feel like it's not fair to you guys. Cause you know, I'm always with the most time to think I mentioned tight end. I think tight end, you have that question because of the injuries and not just the injuries, but when these guys come back, like, okay, now are they on the same page with everyone else? Or is it going to be one of these deals where like Tyler Croft never at the end of the year, we're talking about how Tyler Croft, you know, wishes he had his training camp back because, you know, he didn't really get into it till the end of the year. Uh, the other one for me is defensive tackle because you are, it, it is a youth movement. Now it's, you know, at Oliver and second year Harrison Phillips, um, are your two key guys. And so, you know, that's, and I'm sorry, Star Latule too. Um, so you have Latule, Phillips, Oliver, and, and, and other Phillips, Jordan Phillips. But to me, I, you know, Latule notoriously last year was not a big stat getter, but a sort of credited as a, everybody a stabilizing else. Presence, if Correct. So now we need to see what the, what these two young guys can do because Ed Oliver is supposed to be the kind of guy who, 
it changes the game. He doesn't stabilize the defense. He's supposed to be able to have the, the skill set to get in and disrupt the passing game and stuff like that. So for me, I want to see, okay, what can the defensive tackle unit do? Because if he, they can do it, I think Yarborough, Yarborough and Lawson and Hughes, like they've shown that with help, they can certainly do things and to, and to, yeah, or at least, at least Hughes can. I think Hughes is, is a standout, which is why they gave him the new deal. Mm-hmm. And then the other, that's what I'm saying. Lawson and Yarborough can have their yeah. moments. So they're they're not they're not w- waste of space entirely. So if if you can show the the middle is you know good, maybe they can they can pick it up as well. Paul, what do you think? I think uh, yeah, I really I think when it comes comes to the 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 pass rush, one guy that we didn't mention, former Beach Boy Mike Love or current right. Beach Boy Mike Love, he, he's gotten a lot of positive you know, notes on him through camp, which again, doesn't mean he's going to be a force in the regular season. What it means is, you know, Eddie Yarbrough and Eli Harold and some of the other more name players who are currently in that fourth defensive end spot, they're going to have to battle for their position. You know, Mike Love's not just going to go away because he's the smallest name on that, that list. So I think that's going to be some great uh, depth. I really th- think defensively, if Ed Oliver can bring you know, that, that pass rush to the table can stabilize. There's an article on him. I, I wanted to read before we, we jumped on the pod, but I just didn't have time about how he's improved every day of camp, which is what you want to see. And the fact that something we never talked about, there was a stretch of time for like seven bill seasons where, <laughs> excuse me, if I remember correctly, like they change like defensive coordinators every year. And mm-hmm. This is now three straight years in the Leslie Frazier system. And they're, they've had the same personnel on this system for a number of years. I mean, look at the guys who've been in this system for three years. You know, Hyde, Poyer, Trey White, Milano, Alexander, Hughes, Lawson. There's a bunch of guys, a bunch of good starters who've not, not been in the system for the third year. So I think this defense, I really think they have a chance to be a, a truly special team because we've seen flashes of them being an elite defense before in the Doug Marone year, but never quite fully elite, you know, always just a few too many holes. Now you look at this team and I think this defense could be, you know, really a one that actually gets attention throughout the league. I think I will briefly add just in terms of something that I want to see kind of unfold in camp is uh, linebacker depth. I think we have mm. three good starters. Uh, yeah. I think you know they were saying the other day that Corey Thompson's basically the the fourth guy off the uh, the first guy off the bench when one of the goes one of those guys needs a blow. And obviously you've got you know I forget who's coming in at big nickel now. If it's Saran, Siren, Neal, uh, I think that's who it is now that Bush is off the team. Um, you know you got that kind of package covered, but at the same time like. If Milano or Edmonds goes down, which obviously did happen at least once last year, and they're playing linebacker, it's going to happen. Um, you know, we got there were some games when Edmonds was out and Stanford was in, and it was not pretty. Like it was like he was well behind where he needed to be. And I think we've got a lot of special teams guys basically who are who are kind of playing backup linebacker, which is I mean, you need your special teams guys. I, I get it. But you really want to see them develop and and be able to come in and and not just get run over, um, you know, and and be completely lost out there. And some of that, some of those guys were young, but you know, those guys are going to have to be veterans at some point and, and be willing to come in and 
and and make plays and understand their assignments um, when the, when the play is coming to them. So um, you know, that's something I think we'll hopefully get to see. You know, hopefully none of the starters you know gets injured permanently during training camp. But part of me wants to see you know if they if you know somebody tweaks something that was out for a week or two and they miss some of the preseason to get to see some of these depth linebackers start moving up. Um, I'm trying to think. I guess or or if Lorenzo needs more more health days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's a good thing to start moving those guys into those positions because, you know, Vosin Joseph, um, is Dion Lacey still on the team? I think he is, right? Lacey yeah. Stanford, I think, Julian Stanford. Stanford, Thompson. I think the, I want to see more out of those guys because you can't just have, you can't go into the season with three linebackers. You're not, you can't make it through the season like that. So that's what I would say. Uh, and I just like to point out that Big Nickel is Scott's adult film star name. <laughs> From here on out, um, holdouts around the league. Yes, um, sorry, Scott put together the agenda, but now he is on a a computer system that's not able to allow him to read it. So I'm using his notes. So as I articulate these words, holdouts around the league, and what should the Bills do, if anything, if possible? Um, sir, certainly Ezekiel Elliott and um, which Gordon is it? I, Melvin. Melvin. Thank you, San Diego. Right. Yeah, so that's a great place to send LaShawn McCoy. Um, uh, Michael Thomas, Yannick Nguke. Ngakwe from Jacksonville. They're very yes. fine defensive end who, who destroyed us in several games. Right. Various points in the last two, three years. And Williams, of course. Yes, I've only kept up with like some of the some of the like I only allow the rest of the league, whatever permeates my brain. That's it. I don't go hunting it down. Um Certainly holdouts, though, are the holdouts used to be a, a kind of an empty threat uh, until Le'Veon Bell, I think. And I think that, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say all of these players go the distance, um, but I think that the threat is more real that some of them will. And so I think, yeah, it's a good question. If the bills are thicker at some positions than others, would it behoove them to work to, with some of these teams? Um, you know, Dallas uh, and and uh, San Diego might need a running back. It might give them leverage with those running backs to get them back on the field um, to to bring in a another person, whether it's a LaShawn McCoy or a or a, even a TJ Yeldon. Right. Like you can yeah. you can do that, too. You can say, how about a sixth rounder for TJ Yeldon? And you take his contract and now you don't have to worry so much about whether you know, Melvin Gordon comes around or not. Um, I think that's a, I think that's a really yeah. good. They point. did it last year with AJ McCarron. They moved him off to the Raiders because they weren't comfortable with EJ Manuels, their number two. So it's like, yeah, Hey, you've got a problem. There. And that wasn't a holdout related, but still, you know, same, same logic at play. Mm-hmm. We're obviously all over this topic. Well, that's so, yeah. okay. So no, so I mean, so I was I was definitely thinking of it of like the if we were going to let's say because that's the deal with many of these guys is that they want to be traded to a place where they will get a long term deal right. or they want to or they want to just be cut and then get signed as a free agent. Ah, so you're places. coming at it from the other way. Should we I, pursue I mean, these guys? It's a little bit, yeah. I mean, I like your idea. I mean, I think the easy way is to do it your way, and I think that's the safest way, and that's the least. Uh, the least um, risky way. It's also the least fun way, Frank. So I'm going to take it in the more fun way. 
um, and talk. And, about, and when you want fun, you talk to Big Nickel. <laughs> big, big Nickel's the most fun. Uh, um, we're gonna go into that later, I think. Um, <laughs> no, I'm gonna start introducing you as Big Nickel on the podcast now. Like you no longer are Scott. You finally got a radio name. <laughs> just, just you could just say B five to shorten it. Yeah, yeah. B five. <laughs> B5, the big nickel on the MIC. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's obviously some intriguing possibilities here. Michael Thomas, obviously, decorated wide receiver with uh, the New Orleans Saints, obviously, with mm-hmm. Drew Brees throwing to him. But he, a, a guy who would be a clear number one on the Bills, obviously. Yeah. And then you have Trent Williams, who is a clear number one pro bowl left tackle yes. for your local Washington football team. Um, both of those I think would be sparkling additions to the bills on some yep. level. Now, obviously the question is of like, how do you want to, you know, are you, are you rewarding that kind of behavior? Are you worried about personalities? Obviously you have to get the deal right. And what do you give up? Um, but I think Trent Williams specifically, for those of you who aren't in the D.C. area, I guess it's as much a medical thing with Williams as and his concerns about whether the staff in Washington actually has his best like long term interests at heart as much as it is a financial thing, which to me, that seems like one where like the Bills could look at themselves in the mirror and be like, hey, Washington's just a screwed up franchise. This guy wants out like there's no reason we can't see what we can do there. Um, and I can't imagine Williams is a little older, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I forget if he's 28 or 29. I don't know if he's on his first contract or a second. But he's he's still fairly young. And I think given that we have, I mean, we have some veteran presence of like Niseki and Waddle and I forget who else. Searles, I know, got, got put on IR. Um, but behind Dawkins and Ford, like we got some veterans back there, but they're not really like super good. Um, right, he played well in Washington to the point where there was some talk of keeping him at left tackle, moving Trent Williams to right tackle at the end of last season, just because he was more comfortable on the left. But you know, and, and Jazz, you're yeah, he's only he's a 31, Trent Williams, so he's a little older. But tackle is a position where he can be a little bit older. Yeah, you want a technician, you want a guy who's been around. So if I was probably going to make it one on one, I think that would probably be the most feasible from an economic and kind of you know cultural kind of perspective but i am I'm, I'm i obviously the easy thing is to say like well you know you just see what happens and if they cut them then you see what the price is and yada 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 but i think again you know if you're confident of with where this bills team is going then you have to kind of be willing to take some risks eventually and i'm not saying it has to be this year mm-hmm. but at some point you have to do kind of what the browns did and be like well, it's time to get OBJ and we're going to make a run this year. Like we're going to Sheldon Richardson, we're going to go all in and you know, who knows if it'll work, but at some point you can only kind of, especially when you have a rookie on the, you have a rookie QB that's got that really sweet rookie QB deal. And if he's going to be a pro bowl quarterback one day, you know, you're going to have to pay him $30 million. And then that really changes how your whole cap structure works. Sometimes you got to push your cards to the, to the center a little earlier in some of these situations. They're doing it with Mahomes in Kansas City. They're doing it with Goff in Los Angeles. Take advantage of that young QB being on that rookie deal. Surround him with talent. And yeah, really any of these additions on the offensive side of the ball, if the Bills can go after it, I think would just be in, incredibly helpful. You know, even though I, they've built the wide receiver depth and the running back depth, like we mm-hmm. talked about, and Scott just talked about the O line offensive tackle depth, like 
all of these guys at the right price, of course, being the key would be, you know, worthwhile pursuits. They are worthwhile pursuits. I think it's a good place to leave it um, because I like answering the question the way I answered it, not the way Scott wanted me to. So, <laughs> um, let's go to Facebook and, and Twitter questions. Um, I don't see the Facebook question. I thought you said there was a Facebook question. I didn't see it all, but I know that there are Twitter questions. Do you have those available? I do. So uh, David asks all three of our questions. I think they're all very good questions. So thank you, David, for uh, intelligent, thoughtful questions. Our podcast really is not worthy of those types of questions, but we'll do our best. Um, something we didn't talk about, which would, would have been in our June pod if we'd done it. What are your thoughts on the new stadium, dome or open, downtown, current location, or Niagara Falls? And unlike Frank, who when he runs it, uh, refuses to answer first, I'm going to answer first. Uh, yep. on this one. I'm going to take advantage of that. And it, just because I think about this a lot, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm more of a fan of the open stadium. I think the elements are part of the experience. You don't hear stories of, you know, frostbite problems or anything like that coming out of, out of Bill's games. You do have the occasional issue where snow is so bad, they have to shovel it out. And the one time they couldn't get it done in time, they had to play a game in Detroit on Monday night uh, against the Jets. But I think, you know, for the most part, you know, I, I like the open stadium, the location. And, you know, this is why I jumped on because there's a Buffalo native. You know, I've had a lot of thoughts on this. I'm not a huge fan of the downtown, the downtown, downtown stadium and idea. I'll tell you why. And Frank will have some good rebuttals on this. I'm sure Maybe based on yeah. his knowledge of the Indianapolis area and, and Lucas Oil Stadium and how that's rejuvenated the area. I don't think the stadium that they will build is going to be able to draw tons of conferences, the final four, you know, any of the big events where you can yeah. fill, even if they build a small stadium, a 60,000 seat venue continuously. I wouldn't mind it being on the fringes of downtown and some of the areas which are, you know, developing by where the, you know, a little bit south of the main waterfront in Buffalo, uh, you know, not too far from, you know, Wilkeson Point, maybe a little bit mm -hmm. inland near the casino, places like that, that, you know, you put a stadium and the fact that it's only being used 10 times a day is not really hurting the economy of the surrounding area. But when it is being used, it really helps the economy for those eight or nine days. So I would kind of like to see a stadium in the city, but not not directly downtown. OK, yeah, I you know. And I think the difference between Indianapolis and Buffalo, obviously, first is size. I mean, they, right. the, I mean, they built a dome and specifically got a Super Bowl, and that's where a lot of the hotel business came from. And they built these hotels, and the NCAA is headquartered there. And so it's easy. I think that there were some inroads to do things like host the Big Ten championship and. Um, the final four and also, you know, conferences. I think you're right that Buffalo would struggle to have the same pull because there's also only so many events that go around, right? Like, yep. you know, it's not like Buffalo's tied to, I mean, you could host the Mac championship maybe, mm -hmm. um, but that's not the same. Like if we're being honest, it's not the same as hosting the big 10 championship. I think you could probably, if you built a dome, get, NCAA tournament games. Yeah. Like so they I already have those. They have them in right. Buffalo every uh, four years at the arena, but they're always first and second round games. So maybe you're going right. to get, you know, a game that involves, you know, elite eight teams. I think that 
I am more open to the dome because I think the romance of the snow games is bigger than is, is more myth than reality. And I think that the last 20 years of football have shown that because people don't come out to games when the team sucks and it's fine and everything. Uh, but if it would remove like the, there's obviously a tension of what Buffalo wants to be and how they view themselves and how that manifests in the football team, because nobody would be like they lots of not nobody, lots of Buffalo people would bristle at the idea of having a Los Angeles style run and gun offense that scores a lot of points and, you know, plays turnover defense and is, you know, that kind of thing. They've, they've, you know, drank enough of the blue collar. We play tough and snow, you know, cold, four inches in a cloud of dust stuff forever that they believe it. And so there's an identity part of the outdoor stadium. There's a tough, Frank, you don't have any opinions on this. Do you? I have a little, (laughs) right. And I think that it's coming through. I can't pick it up. Right. And I think that if they built a dome stadium, there would be gristling and then everybody would be behind it and they would be a lot more likely to show up to late season games, even if the team's terrible, because you don't have to sit in the freaking cold. And, you know, so you'll go, you'll, you, there are people who turn down tickets at the end of the year in December when there's nothing on the line and you could reasonably have an easier time building a better team because you don't have to hide behind this. Well, you got to run the ball because maybe, maybe in December a game will matter. And maybe in January you'll host a game. Uh, and so the running game will be important. Um, never mind. I watched Jim Kelly sling it all over the field in the coldest game in NFL history. Uh, and they kicked the living shit out of the Raiders 51 to three. And it wasn't all the running game. Uh, you know, and the comeback game where they scored 41 points and it was a lot of throwing the football in January. So, you know, like, yeah, I have some, I have some thoughts on it because I think there's a disconnect between what the identity of the team is and what the identity of the team should be and what the identity team wants to be. And I think that is wrapped up in the stadium as to where it goes. Like I can understand Paul, like not wanting to eat up valuable real estate in Detroit, the baseball stadium and the football team and a stadium, and even the hockey stadium are all within a few blocks of each other. I think the other thing about a dome, it's easier to host events that aren't football. there, just concerts and stuff. Um, you could definitely get some more hockey stuff from the, the, um, from Canada. I think they've done a great job with how they do can Canada stuff and, and, and hockey stuff. Um, so I, I I can capitulate to Paul on where it belongs because I feel like there's probably room to have it somewhere else. But for me, like I think the dome is important. I think the dome changes the structure of how the team is viewed and how the team views itself. And I prefer it that way. Okay. Well, I don't have too many as in-depth thoughts on this, but briefly not being from the Western New York area. Um, or upstate New York, depending on where you're where you're from, um, which I learned apparently are two different things. I, I've been doing it wrong all these years. It's okay, um, right? Yeah. Um, but 
I would say briefly, just in general, based on the knowledge of what happens in other cities, I think the priority should be whatever the thing that makes the most economic sense should be the thing that drives the stadium. Yeah. So I don't know what the break-even point for a dome is in terms of additional venue days in use versus um, the cost of an indoor stadium and like all of the, the so on and so forth that that requires. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there are some things that you can do in a 75,000 foot, 75,000 person indoor, uh, you know, uh, convention center, but there's not that many. And how many of those are going to be coming to Buffalo again? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think you want to be ambitious, but you also want to be realistic about what, what you're really going to get here. Um, and at right. the I mean, you could time, host a, a Stones concert or a government lawyers convention. You know, those well, are huge. Well, People Tampa government lawyers. Tampa's the prime example of this because they built the stadium before the team came, and they built it in the wrong part of town. And they completely overestimated what they could do with it, and the Rays have been in trouble for twenty years. Like they've just yeah. been con, and now they're, you know, on the threshold of being the Montreal Rays. So. Yeah, it seems it seems like they're they're the the long term solution for Buffalo that is the best in terms of keeping the team there is to come into an equitable arrangement with the bills and with whatever outside finance or state finance is necessary to keep them there. But you need to have the goodwill. Like if you're going to pay, if the state and the city are pitching in seven hundred million dollars to build an indoor stadium and everything else, then that team's got to be good. Yeah. That team has to be successful. You have to be able to do all these other things. Whereas if you're and and just a, it's the Bills. So good luck. The, check the name of the podcast. And b, just any team, <laughs> that kind of uh, level of sustained success is really hard to um, to 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 have that be the, the investment that you're counting on a one in thirty two chance every year uh, that you're really that's that's a very tough bet to make. So I think the the best thing is to just find whatever the cheapest solution is. That still makes a little bit of sense in terms of you know drive a distance and 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 ease of access for the fans and things like that um, that makes sense. And I I am not as good in, on the geography to know like what the cheapest parcel of land in the Greater Buffalo area is, but I you know so w- whatever it is that makes sense, um, you know obviously if people are willing to drive out to Orchard Park, they're willing to drive anywhere in that kind of, you know, 30, 40 mile radius to a certain extent, I think would get you there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, I think there's, there's, I'm sure there's options that are available, but that I think is, so I'm, I'm pretty agnostic on where exactly, but I think that that would be my principle in slide selection. Yeah. We didn't even really talk about the whole, uh, how much Erie County should be in New York state should yeah. be contributing to Cause that, that a, ends up being, that's like a special episode podcast. Like we can yeah. talk about that for an hour, just on, maybe, on financing public, on financing stadiums. Maybe we, maybe we will, maybe we yeah. will. let me, let me read David's next question, Paul, sure. because as you imagine, I, I would like to go first. Oh, of course <laughs> on this one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is the point of having training camp in Rochester, considering that most people in the area are already bills fans? If they want to expand the fan base, have camp in Canada. If they aren't concerned about expanding the fan base, keep camp in Orchard Park. And I think that's an okay question to ask in 2019. But I think the what it belies is that 20 years ago in 1999, Rochester wasn't given Bills territory. It was mixed Giants Bills territory and, and a little bit not 
so much football territory. Like we were Bills fans, but there were plenty and plenty of Giants fans because um, the Giants had obviously won Super Bowls um, and done well. And it really was the initial expansion to St. John Fisher. Uh, they had come from Fredonia, which was correct me I, that's outside of buffalo they had moved yeah that's to, ways away rochester is closer than fredonia right so rochester was a big was the biggest close place to buffalo and it was about cementing your footprint across western new york because they really needed as many fans as they could right up to syracuse syracuse is basically the dividing line mm -hmm. um and i'm sure david knows this i think david's from the area but like as a child when i you know um when the 1999, I wasn't a child anymore, but like, you know, when they would do things in Rochester, it was a huge deal. And in 99, when they moved training camp there, it was a really big deal. And it was probably affordable at Fisher because Fisher's not a huge college by any stretch. It did a lot of good for them. Um, and so I think that that was part of it. Now, today, you might be right. Today, it might be ingrained enough in Rochester. You've had people who are 25 who have basically only ever known that the bills have training camp in, in Rochester. And so if you are now in Rochester, you are probably, unless you are specifically cutting against the grain, uh, a bills fan. Um, you know, unless your, your father was not a bills fan for some reason, um, or your mother. Um, and so, or your aunt or uncle, I don't know, but for you would probably have a reason that you're not a bills fan because the default would be bills. Um, having camp in Canada, I don't think that's a terrible idea. I think that there are a lot of, I think that there are issues with the border and I know you can get the special license in Western New York where you could easily cross over either way. Um, they've made some inroads into Canada and I think that that little bit of Canada right there might be feasible. I don't know quite what the facilities are. I think that based on how they're talking though, they're looking to bring this in house and you talk to you not, I don't talk to Sean McDermott, but when, when they talk to Sean McDermott and he talks about it, you know, they talk about their new training facility and having things at home. And he had made a big point about how, when you go on the road and do something together, it, you bond as a team, but there are a lot of benefits about, you know, being nearby and having all of your facilities available. And that's where the media that's left is right now and you know they've made a huge push with this training and nutrition facility and if you can keep people together at the stadium inside where everything is all set up for them maybe that's what you do maybe that's what you're doing and it doesn't cost you anything and you can bring people to this stadium and you know if in five years you have a new stadium that's a whole bunch more revenue it's now it's not just the the eight home games and two preseason games you could people coming out to the stadium or stadium area for, you know, all of their training facilities, or that's how you appease Orchard Park. You leave the training facility there. So you do your training facility in Orchard, Orchard Park and the games are now downtown. But I think Rochester's days are numbered. I don't quite know what their contract situation is. Um, I think it's one or two more years. Yeah. I think the only other thing I would say about Canada is that their appetite for the NFL might not be the same as their appetite for the bills. Uh, see the the Bills Toronto series, which was a set, which was bought out at the end, where they literally said, "Here's seventy six million dollars. Please stop playing football here." Um, and so there you go. Yeah, I think that's like a complete answer. So I don't really want to add anything other than two minor notes. One, there's talk of getting the camp to be uh, right in the stadium, like a lot of teams are doing now, mm -hmm. because of the new state of the art training facilities. 
And two, uh, there are border issues in Canada that could be a problem. And there are probably better ways to market to the Canadian market because they, and they're doing successfully. I guess something like 20% of season ticket holders are based in Canada, which is freaking incredible. So whatever they're doing to market there, I think they don't necessarily need to make further inroads because it's frank. It's, uh, it's not a, a hotbed necessarily throughout Canada. Free Tim Hortons is what it is. You get free, yes. free coffee and donuts if you're a Bills fan. Yeah. Should we let Scott answer the uh, third one here, is which we can present to him? So he yeah, yeah I don't have a did. lot of respect. I don't have a lot of this on the side. Right. Sure. So this one you'll definitely have something on Scott. And by the way, David uh, lives in a place. It's it's a crap hole. It's called Alexandria, Virginia. Da- oh, so David's yes. David's here. Okay. Yes, he is. He is where he's with you two out there in the burbs. He's David, not, there, yeah. there's a there's a fifty fifty chance that David is literally looking through my basement window <laughs> right now. As long as he's not your next door neighbor. Yeah, I, in yeah. which case, I'm sorry, David. I'll buy you a. I'll tell you what, if you can find your way to the dairy godmother, I'll buy you a custard. So <laughs> there you go. All right. So we'll go to Scott with this question. There has been some buzz about John Brown doing very well at camp so far. Is he good or does he just look good in comparison to the terrible receivers we have had the past two years? I think that obviously the cheap answer is we don't really know. I think he is I think he is a good NFL receiver. I do not think that he is a great NFL receiver. I think it's very difficult for people to deal with with uh mediocrity as a quality. Either somebody's great or someone's terrible and it's always difficult to be like, well, they're just adequate. They're they're well, they perform their job well. And I think that might be what we have here. Um, I think someone was making a comparison the other day to Lee Evans, who was a good NFL receiver for the Bills. He was he did not catch every single ball thrown to him, but obviously there was one very specific he did not catch in the Baltimore. Mm. It was in Baltimore, which everyone remembers, and I won't pretty huge. Wanna, yeah. Yeah, which is frustrating. But um all that said, he was a good productive NFL player for the Bills and was not the worst part of that team. And I think if we have, I think the theory of the Bills, I mean, McDermott's kind of said, you know, there's, and Bean have said, there's a debate about what you need to have a number one receiver. Um, you know, what does that mean in the modern NFL? Um, I think that's maybe a bit overstating it, but I think there's an argument to be said of like, let's just get some good NFL receivers in here. John Brown, Cole Beasley, Zay Jones, by the end of last season was sort of approaching the level of good. Um, and then hopefully you get at least one good kind of tight end and you have four or five good pass catchers plus the running back. And that's the, and that, that should be sufficient for an NFL offense where, you know, you've seen, you know, yes, Antonio Brown and Julio Jones and AJ green, um, obviously hurt now. Um, but, uh, you know, be able to do things and change how defenses play you. But you've also seen plenty of NFL teams like the Patriots who are able to do very effectively uh, using schemes and spacing to get players who are good NFL players open and then have the quarterback deliver them the ball. And you don't have to be taking the tops off defense and winning one-on-one matchups left and right. You just have to be good enough to beat your man given the spacing and the scheme. And I think that's what they're going for. Now, again, we'll see how it all plays out this year. Um, You know, your quarterback has to be able to read the scheme and understand it and execute it for you to do all those things by just throw it up for a guy. Um, And I'm still, we're we're clearly going to be doing that this year with John Brown, but um, I think, I think he is good. I think, I think I'm I'm comfortable with saying good based on his 
previous production. Yep, I'm going with Scott's answer. I got nothing, nothing better. So Scott, I think he is. He, I think he's good. I think he's an improvement, and they can use him schematically properly, and he'll contribute to the offense. I don't disagree. This day in Bills headlines. All right. Um, this is a fun one, guys, because we have a theme in this day in Bills headlines. The theme yeah. is why you shouldn't pay attention to training camp headlines. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I will read the headlines and then, uh, you know, as well, you guys are ruminating on them. I will start to give, you know, some uh, maybe a hint or two about how their NFL career just, you know, really totally tanked and they made limited contributions to the Bills that season. So the advantage you guys have is they are all, except for one, they're all relatively recent. So they're names you will know. Uh, and I, embarrassing that we don't know them. Right. Yes. Or, or that. Um, so we'll start off with, I would consider this the quote unquote uh, easy one. Um, this person, by the way, is the one who by far made the most contributions to the team. Uh, in the year of the headline uh, that they are applied to simply because he actually started in, in 15 games last season. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. So 2018 pushed aside last year, blank, eager to show bills. He's back. He said, new year, new opportunity, new mindset. The guard said the new mindset for me is having that focus and that determination every play mindset to go out there and dominate each and every day. So as I mentioned, the most successful on this list, no longer part of the Bills organization, but did start 15 games last season. I'm going to say Vlad Dukas. Dukas is a good guess. What do you think, Scott? I was going to say Groy. Oh, if they had a child, his name would be John Miller. Oh, but yes, you guys plus. guessed two other guards. Two, two other guards that ultimately aren't on the team. Yeah, <laughs> and who started a fair well, number of games last year. So that Dukas just goes... Is still on the team, though, right? Is he? He is, but he's very—he's yeah. literally taking snaps with the fourth team right now. He's like below the Ike Botker level of guards right now. So I think there. What I've speculated, what I've seen speculate online is he right now is simply injury backup. Like if people go down, he's a good guy to have, sure. but he's got no yeah. real chance. Yeah. Okay. All right. So here we go. This one is also from last year, 2018. Headline number two. Fan favorite blank is ready to play on Sundays. He is a guy who has always worked hard, said head coach Sean McDermott. He was a walk-on at Nebraska, so he's earned everything he's gotten from day one. He's a big part of what we do here. You saw him on the first oh. night. He had a big catch over the middle there, oh, so he's off to a good yeah. start. So oh. he was he was waived at the end of training camp and has never played an NFL game. He has been an on and off number of practice squads since. Well, it's not Fitzpatrick because he went to Harvard. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> He was not a walk-on in Nebraska. What was the name of that guy? He's a tall white guy. Yeah, yeah, tall white guy signed oh, a futures he... contract with Detroit, who he was on, and he was briefly on their practice squad, then cut, then put back on their practice squad, then cut again, then signed to a futures contract. And he was also with Dallas in between there. So he's been, but never been, you know, has not been on an active roster since he left the Bills. Or the Bills left him. Yeah. I, it's going to drive Scott nuts because he's, pic he's pictured the guy. I have, yeah. I, yeah, I remember him. I remember him clear as day. Like, like Fitzpatrick, like Ryan British. Fitzpatrick. He's got a very Irish name. Uh, Nick O'Leary. That's a really <laughs> Irish name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Patrick Fitzhugh. 
Let's see. Uh, I think I can. Tommy Malone. I'll give you the um, first name. No, I got Lashawn yeah. McCoy. It's Brandon. <laughs> oh, <Bean>. Ralph <laughs> Spikes. Brandon Spikes. Brandon Spikes Riley. Yes. Riley. Damn it. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. All right. Here we go. Shake those two off. We're going top to 2017 10, top, now. Top 10 Brandons on the Bills. <laughs> Russ wouldn't even be in the top 10. Right. All right. Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, 2017, healthy and confident, blank, ready to back up LaShawn McCoy. Said, it's funny. I was talking to a couple of guys yesterday, and I was telling them how much difference a year can make. He said, after day two of training camp, Last year I was coming out here and I was still kind of dealing with the foot injury and it was new. It was my first year coming back off an injury. I didn't play the year before. And now coming out here, um, I feel like I'm more part of the team. So he was cut at the end of preseason. Uh, he has since totaled three carries for zero yards with the Saints. The other hint is he is one of three NFL running backs with this same exact name who has played at some point in time. Uh, one, I will say that this is approaching where the more depressing <laughs> to stay in Bill's headlines because it's like all these guys are like really excited to be, to be there yeah. like at the beginning of the training camp. They're like, this is it. I'm going to break through. I'm going to make the team. And then, and then Paul is like, and they were cut later that summer. Yeah. And they never played another down of football. <laughs> they, this will be the second darkest this day in Bill's headlines we do till the day I do this death in Bill's headlines, which believe me, it's being researched and it's on the way. Oh, no. <laughs> He already changed the H from from yep. history to headlines, and yep. now we're going to change. Gradually, TDBIDH is going to be an unrecognizable then acronym gonna, five years from now. It's going to be just like this snuff podcast that we, <laughs> no one remembered starting. It's going to be Paul's list of dead people. Um, <laughs> I don't remember who this running back. No, I don't think I ever knew it. Running back. It did, okay, wait, hold on. on. Did he did he play for the Bills? Before this, he did. I would have to can quickly Google his now. I've already been to his Wikipedia page today, so this makes it uh, makes it easy. He was born in 1990, 1994. He was drafted by the Bills in 2016. He did rush for 94 yards for the Bills in the previous season. Uh-huh. One touchdown in those 96 carries. Hmm. I got it. Yeah, the most co- just just name yeah. just you know the most common last name, so just say the most common Williams. last name. Williams, very good. Jonathan Williams. Jonathan, Jonathan not Williams. but not fast Freddie yeah. Jonathan Williams. Yeah. No, fast Freddie Jonathan Jonathan Smith. Smith. Yeah, John good old Jonathan Smith. He should be in here someday. All right, we're gonna get even more depressing going back to 2016. Um power take blank and Goodwin could give Bills no speed limit. Defensive coordinators are going to play safety over the top of Sammy Watkins a lot. But if blank or Marquise Goodwin is a legitimate threat on the other side, opposing defensive coordinators will experience extreme pucker factor. It would give Buffalo a critical mass of elite speed. So this was a rookie sixth round pick and he was cut and he never played in the NFL. And I need a better hint because I realize this player is kind of obscure, except for the fact that we follow him on Twitter. So I see his name. You follow him. I mean, like, what? you know, I have access, but I, I, I that's now you. Scott, as we what? know, is no longer allowed to, like, be on Twitter. He's, you know. Yeah, they took me out of the, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been grayed out. Um, what, uh, do you have a college, Paul? Paul? Did we lose Paul? I guess not. 
Paul, okay. Um, well, Paul's still there. <laughs> so that's it. We we get no closure ever on, on who this player was. Or <laughs> this, this is how the most depressing this day of Bill's headlines ends. <laughs> Paul just was cut from the program. Oh man! Just, just Paul died in the I middle of his podcast. Back on, okay. So, so great. So now we get to vamp for a minute. Um, so Scott, I was at a Northwestern wedding this weekend. Um, oh no! And they, they made us sing the they made us sing the Northwestern fight song. Wait, um, much but why? To, like even here. at my wedding, I did the fight song for the other Badger fans, but I didn't make everyone else do it. Well, this was because there are people in the family who went to Wisconsin. And so it was like a stick in their eye and they seem to have like an ongoing thing. Yeah. So well, it is a bit of a thing with Northwestern. Right. Audible now. Yeah. You're, you're audible now. So my mic um, died is basically what happened. So now you're getting the me in, you know, sounding like I'm in a a glass. That's okay. All right. Well, no problem. Um, we, we did not come up with the answer. So if you could give us the answer and then we'll, we'll continue. All right. Um, Colby Listenby. Colby Listenby. That, that is a name that I remember hearing. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. Um, this is not a quiz question, but another depressing receiver headline from that year. Power take. Robert Woods doesn't look the part of a number two receiver. <laughs> Training camp headline. Meaningless. It's great. Yeah. All right. Super. 2014. Blank gets fresh start with Bills. He's going to be a huge asset for us out wide, DJ Manuel said. He's a guy who, in the red zone, Teams will know we're going to him, and even though they'll know I'm throwing to him, he'll still be able to come down with some balls. So, okay. so it's the Calvin Benjamin plan, right. but who was the receiver? Right, but Calvin actually was more successful because this receiver played nine games, uh, eight catches, 142 yards, and a touchdown, and was released in December. And like Jonathan Williams, he is also one of three NFL wide receivers who have the same exact name. Is he also uh, Williams? Yeah, he, Mike Williams. Yes, Mike Williams. So we got the wrong Mike Williams. Right. Yes. We should have gotten the one who's with what San Diego or Los Angeles right now. There's yeah. no San Diego. Yeah. Um, I was not going to, uh, no, I can't quiz you on this one. Uh, let's just say 2014, there were a lot of headlines on uh, Buffalo Bills bidding. And uh, Donald Trump doesn't like his chances. So there's a whole, whole story about that. But we'll, we'll go back now to 2013. Uh, Blank takes aim at starting job for Buffalo Bills. Uh, the hint, he slipped on a mat and missed a bunch of preseason games, <laughs> then played in a preseason game and got immediately concussed, and he would never play in the NFL again. Kevin Cobb. Kevin Cobb. Good old Kevin Cobb. All right. This one, this one I, I, I've given you each a personalized hint on this one. So Scott will get his own hint, and Frank will get his own. Um, no so, using the other hint. Got it. Right. You have to ignore the other person's hand. Uh, blank around the ball in camp for the Bills. Uh, he looks like he can be a great player, Bills linebacker Nick Barnett said. It's a different game from college, and you've got to learn. These coaches are going to demand a lot from you as players, um, but he's looking great so far. So this was a rookie. Uh, he was drafted by the Bills, a fifth-round pick that year, and he was cut after the preseason. Since then, he's actually played 78 games with the Browns as a special team or almost uh, exclusively. Uh, his last played in 2016. So Scott's clue, this is a linebacker from TCU, another horned frog, and he was a Bills fifth-round oh, pick in 2012. I know it. And Frank's clue, uh, he's known for tweeting homophobic slurs and other anti-gay rhetoric, uh, which you and I discussed when we were at the bar watching the Bills lose to the Colts the very day he tweeted a lot of homophobic slurs. 
Interesting. Um, He's also named after an army vehicle. That's oh, Tank, Tank Carter. Tank yeah. Carter. Yes. I forgot that he was a homophobe. I yeah. 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 Raging homophobe Tank Carter from Mars. <laughs> All right, 2011. Uh, Bills Bills wide receiver blank is born again rookie. Born again rookie, he said. Uh, it's it's a wide receiver saying, "I'm a born again rookie." He had surgery last summer to repair loose and torn cartilage. Hopefully, I'm on the Blake Griffin plan. I can bounce back like he did. I'm excited for this year. I'm healthy. I'm stronger mentally, physically, and I'm just ready to come out here and compete. So this is a different level of depressing. Uh, he would play only three games that year due to injury. He was with the Bills through the – he was cut finally released on March 8th of 2017, six years after this, and in his entirety with the team, he caught three passes for 71 yards in his career and never got close to playing a full season. Oh, my God. He missed all of the 2016 season, actually. How do I not know this? How am I not angry that this guy I was mean, on the team for so long? Is this Marcus you know Easley? It was Marcus Easley. Good job, Scott. Man. He only had three catches. Three catches for 71 yards in his Bills career. One of them was a memorable touchdown against the Lions. We had other Marcuses on the team, and I think that he escaped by, like, being rolled in with those other Marcuses who weren't (laughs) as bad. So, you know, they're like, well, what do you think of Marcus? He's like, well, he only has three (laughs) catches. Well, no, 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 it says right here he has six. Oh, okay. That Marcus? Okay. This is that Seinfeld episode where Elaine is Susie. Yes. (laughs) Oh, uh, Elaine, Susie, Susie, Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, 2000 is the last one we'll do. And since it's impossible, uh, it's a multiple choice. You get three answers and one of these will be the name. So Bill signed safety blank. Uh, he is a three-year veteran who spent the last two seasons with the Jaguars and broke into the NFL as an undrafted free agent with Pittsburgh in 2000. He's expected to add depth to the Bills secondary. Is it Ainsley Battles? Beasley skirmish or Cyrus tussle? First, stop it. Those are first. It was it was indeed Ainsley battles. Please tell me. Please tell me you you made up the other two names because they were sort of like his first name. I did. Yes. Okay. Good. I did. I did. This is what I did. I saw the last name was Battles, so the other two guys got named Skirmish and Tussle. So yes. Synonyms, and then this guy's name and was Ainsley, to... so I just did B for and Beasley C. and C for Cyrus. So right. Yeah. So that's an appropriate way to end this day in Bill's headlines. Uh, now not on my microphone anymore, uh, July 29th. Well, thank you for that. Um, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, Dave Contestment. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought about going on. Like, you know, uh, yeah. I, I looked up a bunch of synonyms and like skirmish and tussle were the only ones that that someone probably has as a last name. Well, Edwin Contest. Yes. Normally, normally this would be the highlight of the show, but because it's the preseason, it's the pre-preseason, we are now at the real highlight of the show, the highlight of the year. So it's only downhill once this segment is over, if I, you know, could say so. Um, but we're gonna do so many teams will give you um, you know, their predictions for how the bills will do and all this. And I mean, there's WGR is basically enshrined their Howard picks the bills segment, which they make him do after every microtransaction. but there's nothing quite like uh, wacky schedule, pick the bills, uh, which is the brainchild and, you know, uh, labor of love of Scott, who will 
put together the schedule four games at a time, um, mm-hmm. and we will make the Bills endure a Dungeons and Dragons, or if you're a comic book fan, a what if level of zaniness to determine, you know, the 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 rules of the game. If this was if this was like wrestling, then like the GM or whoever would come out and say, well, it's a no falls submission only anywhere street fight hardcore you know timed match with dolphins and that's what scott does for us but better um so this scott, is better than uh Judy bagwell on a on a forklift yes <laughs> let's get to it um that uh, stirring introduction has intimidated me so uh the first of two new york games as everyone remembers the first one this is the grudge match with the Jets, our annual rivalry. Sean McDermott has determined that the only way he can assure... Season opener, the, yep. Season opener, the only way that he can assure a win in this critical rivalry game is to take the process to the natural final uh, culmination point, which is uh, he has genetically engineered and cloned the most processed players on the Bills and produced an entire roster of process players for him to, to throw in here against the otherwise normal New York jets in this first road game. So you will get Josh Allen's at quarterback one, two, and three, all same experience level, same mental makeup, current Josh Allen, just three of them. Mm -hmm. Then you would get five uh, for offensive line. I'm going to go with Cody Ford because really the highest ranking offensive lineman that they've pushed uh, that they've brought in, uh, that they've drafted. And like Mitch Morris, I feel like is a little bit cheating because he's like a pro bowler and you're not really going to like get five pro bowlers too often. Uh, also based on the investment in the offensive line, I feel like that's most fair. Um, at wide receiver, you get, you get, uh, you get five Zay Joneses. That's what you got. You get a okay. uh, tight end. You got, I'm going to give you, uh, I don't know if I'm going to give you a Charles Clay, but I'll give you like three, I think you have, I mean, he's our only healthy tight end at this point. So you get three Lee Smith. Okay. Uh, defensive tackle. Kyle comes, they get, they get Kyle last year, Kyle. I feel like he is very processy. So you get two, you get four defensive tackles. Kyle's in rotation. You get four Jerry Hughes's. It's a nice defensive line. Mm-hmm. You get, you're going to get six Lorenzo Alexander's though. So you got some crafty veterans, but probably not a lot of speed. But secondary is looking pretty good. You got four Trey White's. And four Micah Hides. That is your, and then your specialists are kind of the same versus the actual Jets, who obviously <laughs> Le'Veon Bell, Sam Darnold, Quincy Nunez, you know, retooled defense, you know, continuing to kind of put itself together. But what do you guys think? I like this because I did something like this for when I was a baseball blogger. Um, and I, I took MLB, the show 14 or 15, and I made a team of Steve Lombardozzi's, which was, which was everybody's favorite. I, I mixed Scrappy. it up a little. I tried to he find was everyone's every... favorite bench player for the Washington he Nationals. Was. He was and, and, for those and, who don't remember. Yes. And there were, there were, I'm trying to, who's the bills allegory, right? Like he is the, I thought about making it 53 Sean McDermott's. Like I right. thought about he, literally being... <laughs> he is like the epitome of the process player. And like, there are so many old white dudes on their porch who loved 
Steve Lombardozzi and just felt like he never got a chance and they don't like star players and they liked him. And so I, I made a team of him and, and I, and I had them how did, like, how did that work out. Well, I, they simulated 10 seasons and they got the wild card twice and they, you know, lost their opening match against the, 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 um, the uh, Mets. And like, it wasn't even close compared to like what the actual Nats roster was. Um, and so mm-hmm. I, I like this because it, it's reminiscent of that, that for me. Um, uh, I think the bills are, are better than the jets anyway. Cause I think you have enough good players on that team. I, I think that the only problem is the confusion about Jersey numbers. I like that when Kyle gets tired, Kyle comes in, but like there help. could be some, some confusion, but the jets are the jets and it's at home. So I'm going to take the bills in this one. No, it's at the Jets. It's at the Jets. Oh no! Well, then I take the Bills. <laughs> Changes it totally. Yes, I'm going to pick the Bills. I'm actually going to say I, I think this offense could struggle. The Jets have a still have a solid defense. They had one last year, and you're looking at this, you know, Bills offense. You don't really have a lot of any experience. I mean, Zay Jones at three years in the league is your most uh, experienced really at the at his position. Not counting like Lashawn, of course. Uh, yeah, and then Lee Smith is yeah. right. Yeah, I should throw Lashawn in there. You're right, um, but he's old. You know, but he has age questions. So I think the offense might be in for a, a tough day just based on the structure. But I think the defense will register seven safeties. So there's 14 mm-hmm. points, and I'll say offense gets a field goal and a touchdown. 20, 24, zero. I will say say the Ooh. Bills. I think that defense. Ooh, I mean, can you imagine rotating in? You got Jerry Hughes on both ends. They rotate in when they're tired. Same with Kyle in the interior, as we discussed. You have the linebacker core of just death. You know, Milano's everywhere. Alexander's everywhere. Whoever you pick, it's going to be great. And then your safety, and, you know, with with Hyde, uh, with Hyde's everywhere, and Trey White's two lockdown corners. I mean, how do you do anything against that defense? I I feel like I feel like the Jets are going to have a little success on the ground. Like yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. I love Kyle and I love Jerry. They're both good players. They're not all pro defensive players. They nope. are. They were very good, and it, it's not like the 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 Jets are going to have like blow them off the line. But they do have Le'Veon Bell. They are going to get some yards on the ground. So I still think the Bills win. Yes, but I'm gonna. I'm. I, I do agree. They're going to have trouble scoring points. So I'll. I'll put this at Bills ten and Jets seven. So I think the hardest. The hardest part for the Bills is the offensive line because you're asking one guy to do five different jobs. So. You know that's you know they could have some they could have some trouble scoring because of that. Cody Ford's not. I think he has played center, but uh, but he he is position flexible. But I'm not sure he spent a ton of time at center. Right. Okay. That that was a good one. All right. Good way to start the season. What do we have for week two? All right. Week two is so there's been some controversy, one might say, about both the Giants and Bills first round picks the last two seasons. The Bills, of course, taking. Josh Allen last year, a bit of a controversy. Some people still not a fan of that move. Um, obviously, less less concerned this year with Ed Oliver. But uh, the Giants, obviously, last year, no concern at all about Saquon Barkley, NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. But some concern this year, obviously, Daniel Jones. Uh, you know, I believe his Madden rating is like 70, is like 67 or something. Um, so, in an effort to assuage their fans... The Bills and Giants agree to swap those four players. So, Bills get Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. 
Giants get uh, Josh Allen and Ed Oliver. Mm. Wow. I feel like I have to go first because uh, Frank went first last time, but uh, this is not an easy one. So Giants get Oliver and Allen. Um, ah. So, so tough. I mean, you kind of have to, you know, Allen Oliver is a rookie. He'll only be a second NFL game, of course. Jones will Jones be starting to wonder for the Bills, and if not, then you have Matt Barkley. You have the double Barkley backfield, Matt and Saquon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barkley, Barkley, Barkley tosses to Barkley. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. I think that's the offense. Yeah. I think you figure, okay, Paul, I'll take you off the hook here because I yeah. think you gave me the way out. I was thinking Jones would have to start, but that isn't necessarily true. And I think Matt Barkley acquitted himself pretty well last year. So I think that the Bills have the edge here because even though I think Allen is much better than Jones, I think Oliver and Barkley are a bit of a wash. You're probably even coming out a little bit ahead offensively with Barkley. And I think you can muddle through easier with a better you know, backup than Eli Manning is at this point. So I think the bills win one. I think it's weird though. I think it's probably like a seven, six or a 10, seven game. I don't think there's a ton of scoring. I think it's, it's sort of hard to figure, but I I would take the bills here too. My prediction is not too far off Frank. So I'm flipping the other way and saying the, the giants, I think, you know, Oliver's going to have a steeper learning. Well, no, no, let me reframe this. So Jones, you know, whether he starts or not for the bills, you know, you've got Jones or Matt Barkley back there, not an ideal situation going against a decent defense. And then you've got uh, Saquon, which is great, but if you have no threat of the pass, you know, what will he, how well, much will the team succeed? We found out last year with the Giants because he had a great season, an incredible rookie running back season, and the Giants still sucked. So I'm going to say Giants 17-13 in this one. Uh, I will say that the Bills – Managed to pull one out here again on the road, just because the rest of the teams are still pretty uneven. I think the Bills, I think, are top to bottom better. I think they managed to figure something out. I think you might end up seeing a little bit of a little bit of wing back, a little bit of triple option mm. attack here with Lashawn, you know, uh, Frank Gore maybe at at your quarterback kind of slot, and then and uh, Saquon. I think that that gives you some real. Uh, you know, it's 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 a gimmick, but it's just one game. So I feel like if you ran some wildcat, you could probably put some points on the board. So I put I put the Bills in there at uh, you know 21, 21, 13. I think that Bills defense kind of survives not having it all over for for one game just just to make it work um, against a, a kind of pedestrian. All right, Giants. Off. We are on to home versus Cincinnati. This is concerned at the amount of violence and the, 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 these, these controversial trades and everything else going on in the league. NFL commissioner decides to uh, ban the game of football from the NFL mm. for at least two weeks. And instead, this first week, everyone will be playing Capture the Flag Ooh. in the stadium. All the flags must be on the field of play at all times. And... Uh, normal capture the flag rules apply. So we're going to do, but it's going to, I don't know. Should we be, I was thinking it would be like tag capture the flag with like jails and stuff, but I'm wondering if it should be tackle capture the flag. I feel like that would be actually far worse. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you'd get a lot more entries that way. So I don't know. Maybe just tag. 
Hmm. Tag capture the flag, and then you go to jail if you get tagged. And then obviously your 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 mission is to get the flag. Now you can throw the flag if you can get your quarterback to the flag, or you can get you know somebody who can throw to the flag. But it you have to get the flag back across your line of the fifty, and then you play you know whatever you know for sixty minutes. Is so it a, is it a weighted flag like like a referee's flag, or is it like a floppy? You know, ra- I'm going to say it's like a. I'm going to say it's like a penalty flag. Okay. So you could throw it. It's Dread. not like a, it's not like, you know, old glory there where like, it'd be kind of hard to. Yeah, no, you, yeah, no, it wouldn't. Yeah, no, it's not like a bandana or something. No, it, yeah, we'll call it a penalty flag. So it's got a little heft. Okay. That's a good question. I don't know. Um, Well, Paul, I have gone first twice. Yeah. Yeah. Times. So I'll, I'll jump in on this one. Uh, I'm going to give this one uh, a lead with the, you know, I'll bring in the lead, which is that the Bills, I think, are going to win this one. You've got, I think making a tackle would give the Bills an advantage because Josh Allen is just impossible to tackle. I think Shady is still very shifty. I think Barkley's just like he would in a football game. Saquon is going to pose problems for the Bills. Or No, wait, I'm talking about the Giants all of a sudden. Sorry. Uh, Bengals don't have Ryan back. Oh, yeah, then the Bills in a blowout. I'm going to say you know, 28 to three, man. I, I, how do you score? Po- score tw- uh, we haven't really decided on a point system for capture the flag. You, you capture 28 times. They flag, capture it three times. There's no, there's no ambiguity here. <laughs> I shouldn't have picked such a round football close. number of like four touchdowns and a field goal. But I mean, the bills are going to capture that flag 28 times to the, the Bengals three, assuming that's how it works. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the opportunity to pick an impossible football score and say that a team is gonna win two to one, um, and so you know I'll I'll set a score scoreagami. Uh, yes. Um, and I don't know I, I I don't know how to figure this at all. Uh, this is very confusing. It's where is the game in Buffalo or in Cincinnati? It's in Buffalo. Uh, yes, first home game. First home game. First home game. Josh Allen, yeah, I think Paul has the right of it that Josh Allen is a big weapon in this game because he's he's kind of uh, set up the offensive line to block for him so that he can get to the flag. Yeah, the theory, and then you kind of you, you get him down there, and then you you have him th- huck it back across the line, try and get it to one of the. Backs you know, I'm going to pick the Bengals because I just don't think the Bills can start the season three and zero. Oh, I'm not ready to commit to that, so I'm just going to take. I'm going to cheese <laughs> up here. I'm going to take a. I'm going to take a. Uh, you know, a mulligan or whatever, and just sort of take the easy way out and say, you know, they're a little overconfident being two and zero, oh, and at the end of the day, it's a game of capture the flag. So I'll go with the uh, the Bengals it's in not a surprise. A football game. Yeah. Uh, very well. This one, I think we're going to have a lot more discussion about. So this is a good one. Well, so, wait, 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 you got to give us your, Oh, Oh your yeah. Take. No, I picked the bills. I picked oh, the bills. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that is the plan. I think you have, you know, basically everyone runs, you know, uh, you know, interference for Allen, you know, kind of mighty duck style, you know, flying arrow. Right. And then, and then he gets to the, he gets the end zone, you know, he's got more speed than Dalton. And so then he gets it there, and then he can huck it sixty yards. That's the thing. Like, you know, well, yeah, that's why I was wondering. Flag. Like, can you throw that flag that far? Because it, it, you know, I think I think Josh Allen can. Okay. Josh Allen can throw that flag over a mountain. All right, uh, hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disagree. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I take the Bills. Yeah, like four to one, let's say. 
Um, then moving on, uh, we get to yes, the the second part of our kids games instead of football uh, double is home versus the New England Patriots Ooh. in a spirited game of dodgeball. Dodgeball. Dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. <laughs> you can dodge a wrench. You can dodge a ball. Um, I'm going to take five other good quotes that occurred to me, and none of them are safer. You know, they, they have an H. Well, let's put it that way. Tom Brady is the douchebag that waited and loved and relished playing dodgeball against the smaller kids. And I think that comes through. And I think that he is just once again, Tom freaking Brady and a douche. And so it all works out for him. And I think that they win with, I think they win with four or five players left. I, I don't know quite how to score it, but I say, I think they'll have yeah, four or five yeah, players. players left, I think, yeah. I think this would be an absolute route with a guy like Gronkowski who probably like <clears throat> Gronkowski strikes me as the kind of guy who plays dodgeball when other people aren't playing dodgeball, he just <laughs> throws things at people when they're not like, you know, they're at the breakfast table and he just says dodgeball and, and he throws, got, throws eggs. He's also, got, he's also got really good hands, got great range. Like you, you try and throw the ball at him. He's going to catch it, whether you hit him in the feet or the head. So exactly. So yeah. And you know, Brady to me just is like, he'll like hide behind other players and let them get hit. And then he'll hit you and he'll just, you know, and it'll you'll think you'll have him on the ropes for a while, and then he'll be like, "Well, you know, Andrea, I just went out there and and played the best I could." <laughs> <laughs> no. I was wondering, that was, I was a great Tom Brady impression. I thought he was actually on the pod. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Paul. Yeah, so I am going to uh, initially. I thought the same way Frank did, but then I realized. Let's take a look at some strengths and weaknesses here. Tom Brady's greatest strength is he is accurate at throwing the ball right to people in the most catchable fashion and without a great deal of arm strength. Josh Allen will whip the ball at you, but he might hit you in the hands. He might hit you in the foot. He might hit you. You better have time to react. I think that this is where, you know, the Bills can really kind of play to that. Like Brady's going to throw perfect touch passes and, you know, Zay Jones would be like, oh, thank you. That was the easiest one to catch. And now I've caught it and all my guys are back in and you're going to the sidelines, Tom Brady. And mm -hmm. then where Josh Allen's going to be whipping it, trying to throw it to people and then like hitting people, three people over and who aren't <laughs> expecting it. So I'm going to say because of Josh Allen still developing accuracy issues and his speed versus the fine Tom Brady, it works out. And I think the Bills win this. Uh, Q to 79X. I don't know if that's a dodgeball score, but I'm going with it. When we, yeah, I think people left in the game makes sense, but Q to 79X makes sense. All right. Um, yeah, no, I think I had much the same thoughts. I mean, I think the Paul forgot about the other thing about Brady is that he is a 43 year old man at this point. Like, yeah, he, how is, not we spring, he is not a spring chicken out there. Josh Allen at least run a little bit, uh, as we know. Uh, you know, I don't know if he can outrun a dodgeball, but for damn sure Tom Brady's going to go down the minute that any dodgeball touches him. He's going to, you're going to hit him, you're going to hit him in the knee. Yeah, he's going to just be like, oh my head, headshot, ref, ref, headshot. <laughs> I'm already, I, I'm illegal. already committed, so I can't change um, it. But I like, I like what you guys happen. are saying. Uh, 
So that said, I am concerned that Bill Belichick remains the coach of the Patriots. Right. He will have, have he will have surveilled the Bills practice dodgeball practices and you know figured out some stratagem. It's gonna be like Ender's game. He's gonna have like he's gonna have like Oh um, no. He's gonna have like some weird formation that Brady's like totally protected behind, and then everyone else like, and then they're he's gonna find like three guys. He's gonna sign like three professional dodgeball ringers from you know Romanovia or wherever you know. Romanovia. Yeah, that's where uh, obviously the next Avengers movie takes place. Exactly. Romanovia. It's between, it's, it's between Livonia and uh, or uh, Latveria and uh, yeah. Latveria and uh, right, uh, uh, Sokovia, Sokovia, right? Yeah, exactly. And Wakanda, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that 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 gives me great pause because yes, otherwise I would agree with Paul that Josh Allen is kind of like the ultimate dodgeball weapon. Like he is kind of built for dodgeball. Like he's a little inaccurate. You might lose one or two of your own players in the windup as he like you know slams the dodgeball into the back of like. LaShawn McCoy's head as as he's like skittering across the the half line trying to draw fire but uh well that's it I, I mean they probably trade for Josh Allen they like trade for the Josh Allen for Tom Brady <laughs> the week before and everyone's like oh great and then I'll oh it's a game of dodgeball you sucker exactly. no. yes and then Brady just heartbroken as like finally the knife is twisted and he is he is forced to leave so yes I think that uh I think that is it for this week. I think that uh, I have the I have the Pats winning by you know, and then again with Belichick sprinkle, they they win by like twenty five players. It's not even close. Yeah, they they just found a dodge, and you know, typical Belichick finding a dodgeball player off the trash heap that no one else <laughs> wanted. You know, Bob Kraft is they there just, going, oh, they just they, he just he just comes in and all he does is catch balls. He yep. just catches every time every time Josh throws the ball at him, he just catches it. It's just ridiculous. The Bills are like, we should have signed him. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, if you would like to play dodgeball, uh, you should let us know at bbillsmny at gmail.com or bbillsmny on Twitter or facebook.com backslash bbillsmny. You can even send a picture uh, of you playing dodgeball to our Gmail, bbillsmny at gmail.com. We will review all of that. Um, we might not have a podcast before the 8th. I will be at the beach next week. Ah. which the eighth is their first preseason game. Now I I can make an effort to do a podcast from the beach. That's not the problem. That seems that seems foolish. Eh. So I'm just gonna say the Bills are gonna win the preseason game, forty five to, sorry, four hundred and fifty thousand to seventeen, um, because it's a preseason game. And as you know, this is how we seriously we take the preseason. Um, we no, you know what? We should really try because we didn't talk about the. Pre- season at all and i think we owe it to our listeners to try and and do that um and if we don't well we'll try harder next time um but in the interim you can let us know your preseason thoughts um on the facebook and the twitter and all those things that like i said um we really appreciate you listening to us in our seventh season seventh or eighth we're in season eight. seven eight yeah eight. okay yeah, 12 13, 14, 15, 17 18 now yeah eight eight season well there you go eight seasons in one of the if not the longest running bills podcast well, in america bills and deers just saying one of if not one of, I didn't yeah, say you can say one of but we legit we we in good conscience as catholics those of us who are catholic which is really me 
Uh, can't say that. You can say if not. You won if not. Yeah. It's fine. All right. Well, whatever we are, <laughs> we are also leaving. Um, so thank you very much for listening. We will talk to you soon or you'll hear from us soon. Uh, until then, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.